Listen, there has never been a better time to invest in self-storage, and there's no better team than ours to show you how to do it because we wrote the book on how to invest in self-storage. Literally, we created the best-selling home study system titled How to Find, Evaluate, Purchase, and Manage Self-Storage Facilities. We have helped thousands of people launch and scale their self-storage business and have become the nation's go-to resource for all things self-storage. That's because we not only only talk the talk, we walk the walk day in and day out since 2005 through now. Two recessions and amassing a 2.5 million square feet of self-storage, totaling over 15,000 doors nationwide. There is nobody else that has more experience in self-storage that is teaching people how to invest in self-storage. So if you're ready to launch and scale your self-storage business, then go to selfstorageinvesting.com. Click on the events tab to grab your ticket to the upcoming self-storage academy. So that again is selfstorageinvesting.com. Click on the events tab. Seating is limited. And on behalf of our team, we look forward to seeing you then. Take care. This is the Self Storage Podcast, where we share the knowledge and skills from the industry's leading investors, developers, and operators to help you launch and grow your self-storage business. Your host, Scott Myers, over the past 16 years, has acquired, developed, converted, and syndicated over 2 million square feet of self-storage nationwide with the help of his incredible team at selfstorageinvesting.com, who has helped thousands of people achieve greatness in self-storage. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Self-Storage Podcast. I am your host, Scott Myers. And today, what we're going to be doing on this episode is I'm going to share a presentation that I gave at our most recent Self-Storage Mastermind, in which we set the stage for 2023 and how we plan to approach the market. What is the real estate investment outlook for 2023? And kind of a prediction of timing as to when we're going to begin seeing some of the distressed and discounted deals coming down the pike. And then also how to invest with downside protection and mitigating your risk. So there will be no video associated with this. So those of you who are looking to head over to YouTube, and that is because I am in Dubai right now, and we are on a private equity roadshow, visiting several family offices and other investment advisory houses in an effort to raise more capital so that we can take advantage of the opportunities that are coming in 2023 because we do see that self-storage is going to shine as it normally does during a recession and as we head into 2023 deeper and deeper. That is exactly what we plan to do is once again, look at the gift that the market gives us during a recession in this industry. We are to not to use too many cliches, but we are going to make hay while the sun is shining. And so in this presentation, this isn't, well, a lot of that is from the past. This will be my third recession as we have been investing in real estate and certainly wish that I would have had more private equity and better lending relationships in the definitely the first one that I went through, more so in the second, because I saw a lot of my compatriots around me who had been in the industry for a number of years had done just that. They had solid lending relationships, uh, solid credit lines from some of the other, the larger private REITs and some of the folks that I've worked alongside of. And then they had a deep pool of private equity partners, investors, family offices that they could utilize to partner up and do joint ventures and invest alongside of them as those deals became available in the marketplace that we saw outside of the 2008 recession and the aftermath that came about as a result of it. Well, I learned a lesson very quickly that 
we should have done a better job. And we've been preparing since then for this market that we're heading into right now. Whether you believe that we're in a recession or not, or we're heading into one, we know we are heading into a time in which uh, there will be several projects that will be coming our way. And so we will be looking for more acquisitions. Um, The same business model that we've been doing since we began in this business, and that is finding these value-add self-storage facilities, acquiring those, typically mom-and-pop facilities, some that were maybe not run very well, or where they just took their hands off the wheel, didn't implement technology, didn't market very well. Maybe they don't have websites, certainly haven't raised rates, and haven't added profit centers. And the coup de gras is then if they have additional acreage, which we can then add additional square footage to the site. That has been the business model from day one. And then also we're looking for, as always, development opportunities, more in the form of conversions, industrial buildings that can be converted and different types of buildings where we can repurpose those as self-storage and of course ground up. And primarily what we'll be on the lookout for and what we're working towards is seeing how many of these joint venture opportunities that we can partake in because we know that there will be several folks that where the partnerships are strained, the developments are strained, the capital stack is certainly feeling the pressure of inflation and increasing interest rate in, <laughs> at a point again, and these development opportunities that will be coming down the pike as they are stressed as a result of partnership strains and also an interest rate environment in which the capital stack, the cost of capital is being um, stretched as an inflation and rising interest rates takes its toll on those properties. And so all of that is from experience over the past uh, three recessions that we've been involved in heading into 2023. And then also I spent a lot of time in 2022, well, really in the previous several years, but we really doubled down in 2022, aligning ourselves with different family offices and also groups, visited many conferences and met several other heads of family offices, other investment groups, other tribes, if you will. And I also put my ear to the ground a bit more. There's a couple of economists that we follow in the financial markets that keep us abreast of what is happening in the financial marketplace and what is coming down the pike. And then that is how we set truly our projections going forward as to when we're going to exit a portfolio or exit particular projects and do our best to then predict exactly what that exit cap rate will be uh, due to the interest rates and the timing of uh, when they will go up and when they will go back down. And uh, one of them is one of those people that we follow is Jeremy Grantham with uh, the GMO. And he has not only been very successful in predicting the bubbles in the economy, which there's a few other folks out there that have touted that as well. But Jeremy does, he takes it a bit further and not only has he predicted them and been spot on, but he predicts exactly, almost exactly what is going to happen throughout and how it's going to be handled and treated and some of the other nuances that are very well, integral in terms of how we then set our path and our strategy going forward. And so if you have read his most recent white paper, Let the Rumpus Begin, Jeremy talks about the fact that we are in what he calls a super bubble. And this is the fourth super bubble in the last 100 years, where both equity and inflation has been on a torrid pace. So there's lots of equity flooding the market and inflation obviously is going a very high clip in terms of increases. And what we've seen that what is most important for us, at least in terms of projection at a point, and what he is seeing, which what we're very keen to hone in on is that he stated that every prior super bubble has retreated back to the level it began. So if we look at the run up in 2000, I would say 10 or 11, up to the point where we were in, uh, at the peak of 2020, that he feels that this bubble in terms of the 
prices of real estate is going to send those values back down to the level it began. So is this 2008 all over again? Well, this recession is a little bit different, but in some cases it is the same. And Jeremy has stated that we stated that we forgive and we forget incompetence and we fail to punish malfeasance. Those are his words, not mine, meaning here in the United States. For instance, in Iceland, with a population of 300,000, they sent 26 bankers to prison during 2008 because of the malfeasance and um, the shenanigans that occurred in the financial markets and really just the bad behavior. And yet in the US, we have a population of 300 million, roughly about 340 million now, and we sent zero people to prison. Zero. So what that means is that because there is this reset in the market, and they operate in a vacuum, meaning many of the lenders and the equity players, and there are no consequences, well, we're seeing some of that behavior happen again. And so what he has stated is to avoid U.S. equities. He's stating that you should not in these investment houses, and he's speaking mainly to you know, the major investment houses, not to buy U.S. equities, meaning stocks, bonds, mutual funds, to keep cash on hand, to stay away from crypto. And any investment should be made in emerging countries, but then also stated that there's a huge opportunity in real estate as values will fall back to, as he predicts, will fall back to pre-COVID levels. Now, again, a disclaimer here, the claims and the approach that we're taking right now should be taken with a bit of a caution as any investment. There certainly is an advice, but any investment observations that I'm going to make, and they are just that, they are observations um, for and to build up your experience and to build up another set of eyes or another viewpoint on how you approach the market as well. So I'm just stating the people that we follow and our approach beyond that. So their disclaimer has been given. Jeremy also mentioned he's seeing that inflation is cooling gradually at the time. This podcast is coming out and we are seeing a cooling of the inflation rate just a bit. Unemployment is also still extremely low. And so as we look forward, first of all, if you have not followed what the Fed is doing, we pay close attention to the FOMC dot plot. So the Fed puts out a plotting of uh, interest rates and you can see just exactly where it's headed, where it's been and where it's uh, headed. So that is the FOMC dot plot. And they aren't done yet. We can expect uh, roughly a 50 to 75 basis points hike in Q1 and then uh, pause for six to 12 months. The Fed fund rate should peak somewhere around five to five and a quarter. And we've seen that also, you know, the Fed has a policy of long and variable legs, meaning that we don't know what the immediate after effects are going to be. And what they typically see is that it doesn't have the effect that it that they expect it has. And then all of a sudden, it hits hard and then uh, rate cuts begin to take place. But we may not see any rate cuts in 2023 after the run-up. As a matter of fact, as a result of the run-up, it's going to put the pinch on the economy as they have stated and what their directive is. Slowly increasing unemployment rate and it should be an estimated 5% by the end of 2023. At least that is uh, our projection. And then gradually we will see a decelerating inflation if it does its job, these interest rate hikes. And then we will see an estimated CPI, consumer price index in the 3 to 4% range by the end of 2023, which um, should then spell a little bit of a slowdown to the economy when the consumer price index goes up and consumer confidence goes down. That is typically what sends us uh, deeper into a recession or tips it into it in the first place. So the Fed's their action, however, has been this time around a little too fast and a little too furious. And we do have a gigantic problem brewing. You go from 0 to 4.5% in nine months at the Fed rate. That is a very, very fast. And the lag 
time is, again, we have very long legs in terms of the commercial real estate markets in which we begin to see the effects of that. For now, there's too much short-term maturity debt in the economy, which is going to cause enough of a slowdown. And then the impact really takes 6 to 12 months to manifest, period, most of these interest rate hikes. And so to go from 0 to 4.5% in nine months... That was a little bit of an overkill. And so what that has done is just it's created a shocking effect on the cost of debt service. And that is why so many projects have died on the vine. They've been put on pause or just in, you know put on hold indefinitely. And some folks that were in the middle, if they are trying to finance out of some short-term debt or into a construction to permanent finance a vehicle, they are going to be in trouble, which once again, uh, we feel is going to provide an opportunity for many of us in the marketplace that can come in and perhaps help some of those folks or purchase those projects if indeed uh, there isn't a way for the current owner to be able to finance out of those or sell out. Where we're going to see is that uh, real estate transaction volume is likely to continue to fall as rates are continuing to rise and the bid and the ask spread will continue to stay wide for a little while, which means that especially in self-storage, you know, there are some of these sellers that we need to educate them. Their expectations are going to stay a little bit high, although that gap is lessening. And what we've seen in self-storage in particular is that because this asset class does so well during a recession and it's really done better than all other asset classes. That's not just my opinion. Those are based on stats. Through COVID and through up until this point in our economy, it, it has outperformed multifamily, retail, assisted living facilities, and virtually hotel, motel, virtually all asset classes over the course of the past year. And so it'll be a while before we see the bid and the ask spread coming into alignment in self-storage. Prices have already started to soften, however, and will continue all of 2023 and into 2024. So this is the time to be very nimble and opportunistic as a buyer, which we plan to be. Because distressed commercial deals, they're already starting to surface. We're beginning to see those right now. A lot of that is driven by loan term maturity, meaning there's a whole lot of these folks that had these short-term loans that are now having to refinance. The LTV is a little bit lower and the rates are a little bit higher. And that's putting some stress on some of these uh, owners and the projects themselves. And there's also some rate cap expiration, which means there's some covenants that are coming out due within several of these loans. And so folks are going to have to refinance or sell out of these. And that trend is going to accelerate uh, over time. If you're already investing in self-storage and you're looking to grow and scale your business, then you need to join the self-storage mastermind. We formed the industry's first mastermind back in 2010, and we stacked it with the one percenters across the country who specialize in acquisitions, development, and syndication. This exclusive group of storage rock stars meets in once a quarter in private settings to combine business and VIP experiences that you won't find at any of the trade shows in Las Vegas or at the other copycat masterminds. So if you're looking to become part of an advanced community that openly shares best business practices, along with the largest pipeline of off-market deals and access to the top private equity resources, then you need to be in the room. So if you think you're a fit, then go to thestoragemastermind.com to apply. That's thestoragemastermind.com, and we'll see you on the inside. The huge pressure point that we're talking about in terms of term maturity and rate expiration is coming from the commercial bridge loans that were made two to three years ago, and they're maturing, and the cap rate is expiring. So a rate increase of 3.5% to 6.5%, that sounds daunting, but what does that mean if you are refinancing that same amount of capital? It means your mortgage payment, the factor itself, goes up 80%. That is going to be very, very trying, very difficult, and in some cases will be a final nail in a coffin for some of these developments, conversions, and some folks that bought some value adds that just weren't able to add that value. The rent revenue growth, although it has also been going up at a pretty quick clip in our industry, is now trailing off. 
And it certainly cannot and hasn't kept up with a higher debt service. So what do those sponsors do? A project sponsor, the owners, the potential sellers, they got a couple options. One is to issue a capital call to existing investors. If they are a sponsor in a private placement, they can raise fresh equity capital, diluting the existing investors or diluting themselves or the face with selling the property. Anything else while they still have control of it is really off the table at this point. And then if they can't do those, if they are unsuccessful, then they are going to be handing the keys back to the lender, unfortunately. There's approximately, there's an estimated $450 billion of loan term maturity that is coming in 2023 in the the commercial real estate sector. $450 billion, with a B, of loan term maturity that is coming in 2023. I'll let that sink in for a minute. What that means is we feel that the pricing of these assets could drop as much as 20 to 30% because of all the reasons that we just mentioned. So these distressed assets, it may take them a little while before they hit the market, and they will. Q3 and Q4 of 2023 is when uh, we expect to be the most opportunistic time where we're going to see many of these coming into the marketplace. That's when the bulk of the distressed deals are expected to appear as well as into 2024. Q1 and Q2 may show some excellent buying opportunities and we are seeing some of those already, but uh, we feel that the latter part of the year is when most of them are going to come through. So you as a promoter, how can you take advantage of this? What are the best ways to be able to structure your projects going forward to promote downside protection? Well, first of all, to attract yourself or to attract more capital and make yourself attractive, you need to showcase your strengths. And speaking for ourselves, the good news is that we've been in real estate since 1993. This marks our 30th year. For the past 15 years that we've been bringing in private equity into our projects, we've been averaging a 34% IRR for our investors. That's double what the rest of the industry has done, and that beats our own projections by about 10% and is really a high watermark in our industry. And that is the reason why many passive investors are already attracted to us. And so whatever that looks like on your end, you need to showcase your strengths. Have you been through a recession before? Have you done well? How long have you been in the business as well as have you bought or developed a facility? Have you created value and have you exited profitably and how well did you either meet or exceed your clients, your limited partners projections and the ability to be able to tell that story and tell it well and um, tell it better than your competition is going to put you in a good position because now that money is going to be looking for the more savvy, the more experienced sponsors to be able to put their money with. So the strategy for us is to buy existing at a big discount versus building new, but I should put an asterisk behind that as we are looking at many development opportunities as well. Some of them are already in play, already working, going down the path that we may be taking over or stepping into as a joint venture, but also starting some new from the ground up. Our capital structure includes mezzanine debt, preferred equity, as well as common equity on our projects, which means that for our preferred equity, they're getting paid first. They are also, if they are in a position in which they can benefit from depreciation, they are not investing, say, in a self-directed investment vehicle, like an IRA that has been converted or a real estate 401k, then there is no need for them or there's no reason for them to have a K-1 and for that depreciation to move through to the bottom line as far as uh, tax purposes. And so we will take all of that depreciation and move it over to the common equity, which are those folks that are investing in a fashion in which they can benefit to directly from having that K-1 and from the cost segregation, which we do on virtually all of our properties to be able to maximize the flow through of the depreciation. So that is the way we're going to be raising our equity with uh, two different forms. So that is the way that we're going to be raising capital, which is in two forms or two classes of uh, shares being preferred equity and common equity. And in terms of uh, location, well, 
are we investing in cyclical versus non-cyclical markets? There are certain parts of the country that get a run-up every time we hit into a recession, and then uh, they go right straight back down. Uh, we are looking in the more non-cyclical markets, and uh, we know what those are. There's a lot of data out there to show it, but again, in our 30 years experience, we've experienced this uh, after investing nationwide. We know what are the strong markets in which we can meet or beat our projections because they are in a non-cyclical market. And then obviously, just the basic deal fundamentals. Um, there are so many folks out there that are structuring projects in a way that they really aren't mitigating downside risk. Some of the folks we've already seen that are in trouble are the folks that they haven't been investing through a recession. They can't see as far down the road. They may not have uh, partners or staff that has helped them to do the same. And they're investing with the knowledge of or the experience of a strong bull market at their back since um, 2009, if they got into the industry or into the business since then. In many cases, they still haven't put it together a solid deal structure that is going to weather these times and then also allow them to hit their projections. So again, preferred equity and common equity versus a common equity only being as prudent as possible in exit cap rates and projections and being able to tell your story better than your competition. And that should be with staffs, providing the fact that you have produce greater returns for your equity partners versus your competition. That is what is going to win the game as we head into 2023. So in terms of managing your portfolio during a recession, whether this is something you're holding as a sponsor or on your own, you should track each investment in your portfolio on a quarterly basis, looking at the operating fundamentals, the financials, as well as any risks and stress or pressure points that could potentially cause you to not hit your projections from an operational or a financial standpoint. Paying extra attention, monthly tracking to of course, your large investments, which are the ones that you can move the needle the most or may move the needle in terms of your entire portfolio, unless you are keeping track of those. Certainly some concentrated investments if there are certain markets or if you're investing in other asset classes, things to keep an eye on. And then of course, any underperforming and or distressed investment, now would be the time not to ride it to the bottom, but to look to sell. Yes, even during this high interest rate and a higher cap rate environment, taking that capital off the table to be able to make even more to leverage and leverage that and then double down as we head into a market, which is uh, we're going to see a big bull run on the backside of this one. I would also consider increasing loss reserves and cash reserves because we just don't know exactly. Every recession is a little bit different. We don't know what this one is going to look like. We can see the fundamentals and it's already shaping up to be a little different than the last one and certainly since the last two that I've been involved in. And so distressed asset may cause losses and or you know, require additional capital to try to save them. I think that goes without saying. And so just be certain that you are setting aside a fair amount of reserves right now, both uh, loss reserves as well as cash reserves. Loss reserves, the difference between a cash reserve and a loss reserve is cash reserve in case you don't meet your projections in terms of a lease up or occupancy and a loss reserve means that you can absorb having to pay to assist a loan or a project when it comes time to refinance or cover the cost of a sale if you have to make the returns back to your investor so that you don't have to find yourself filing for various protection, if you know what I mean. That is the last thing I would want for anybody here that is listening to this podcast. So make sure that you have those reserves in place. What are some of the other approaches now that we move away from mitigating downside risk to what is the true roadmap going forward? There's many, and I've certainly heard quite a few from different different investors, heads of family offices in our own community and our mastermind and throughout our various self-storage academies and folks that are coming that we consult with, that are coming through our doors. And I will just state what we are planning to do in a very distinct few steps. And that is what we're seeing is the market is coming to us, which is good. And when I say us, um, my company and those that are investing similar to us as private equity is diversifying. They're diversifying into storage where they maybe have been investing in other asset classes. 
Now they're looking at storage. And if they had been investing in self-storage in the past, now they're diversifying amongst several other sponsors, operators, and developers. And they're looking to see who else is and can they partner with who else is in self-storage and who can they partner with and do perhaps a co-GP or joint ventures with them in the self-storage community to further, again, look towards mitigating their own downside risk, which means for us, there's an opportunity to have uh, new folks, new investors coming alongside of us that are looking into what we were doing if they haven't been in this space before. The equity, however, is also looking for more co-GP opportunities. So they want to be a general partner. They're not looking for, or there seems to be a movement away from just being a limited partner. Now, if they're coming into a fund that is already existing, then obviously that is the only way that they can come in. And if they're looking to try you out or fill out the balance of a fund, we can set aside shares or give them some a little different treatment for that. However, what we're seeing is if these folks are going to be writing larger checks, 2 million, 5 million, 7 million, they have the ability to take down an entire deal or make a big dent in a portfolio. Or in some cases, if you're depending on the size of your fund, some of these family offices, like where we are, or like where I find myself right now here in Dubai, they have the ability to write a check for a $50 million fund. And then uh, we just add the debt on top of that and we're off to the races. That is not the only case, but in those cases where there is um, only one equity partner in the entire project, whether it be a fund or a deal itself, then you're looking at having them come in and having some decision-making abilities or at least influence on those. And so what I would say for anyone out there that is looking to make a splash in 2023, be opportunistic. There's going to be a lot of equity coming into our space. There are still folks that are coming into self-storage, the active side on the sponsor side, as this asset class typically does. We have the hockey stick effect that takes into, goes into effect when we head into a recession. When rates go up, businesses are downsizing, individuals are downsizing, and we see demand increase with less development opportunities because the banks do tend to slow down a little bit. So be opportunistic, be on the lookout for any and all of those projects that you can get yourself involved in that you can insert yourself in. But seek counsel, especially if you have not been through a recession in the past. If you are raising private equity and you haven't done so through a recession in the past, then you may find it a little more difficult. And that may be a time to look for another partnership opportunity for some folks or another company that has because 100% of nothing is nothing. And if you do have the ability to go out and source deals, but your equity has a, a little more stringent requirements in terms of your experience, then I would shore that up by gaining some folks either on your team or look at some partnership yourself. We are obviously very optimistic. And that is the reason why, again, I am here in Dubai. So for Storage Nation, we will be launching a $50 million fund that will focus on acquisitions and portfolio purchases. And we will also be actively seeking joint ventures and co-investment opportunities outside of our fund where we can bring our experience our Rolodex, and our capital if it makes sense to do so. So I invite you to reach out to us at selfstorageinvesting.com or on LinkedIn if you have any projects you are looking to sell or opportunities for us to potentially partner on as well. As we move forward together in 2023, this is my hope for all of us. And that is you will seek out those opportunities. Don't stop listening to the news. Don't listen to all the naysayers because the time to be running in is when everybody else is running out. And this is going to be the greatest land grab that I have seen in my 30 years of investing in real estate. And we are absolutely looking to take advantage of the opportunities that will exist in self-storage. So folks, that's a wrap for this episode. And tune in as we continue to reveal our plans and track our progress for what is going to be an epic year in self-storage. I'm Scott Myers with the Self-Storage Podcast, dedicated to raising the bar on self-storage, because when we all get better, the industry wins. We'll catch you in the next episode. Take care. Hey gang, wait, three things before you leave. 
First, don't forget to subscribe to the Self Storage Podcast and turn on your notifications so you never miss another episode. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review if you like the show. Second, be sure to share your favorite episodes and more via Instagram and don't forget to tag us. And lastly, head to the links in the show description and hit the following subscribe button on Twitter and Facebook to get a front row seat as we grow and scale our business and bring you along with us. Take care.